Riverside, San Bernardino, Inland Empire, and listeners around the world, welcome to the Truth Seekers radio show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We're broadcasting from our flagship station, KCAA 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. If you're located in the Southern California Inland Empire, you'll find us on KCAA 1050 on the AM dial. If not, you can find us streaming on kcaaradio.com or talkstreamlive.com. You can also hear our program rebroadcast on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com or on Red State Talk Radio at redstatetalkradio.com. And you can check their website for broadcasts, days, and times. Also, don't forget, you can always find podcasts on kcaaradio.com to listen at your leisure. And you can learn more about our show at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is Dave Krieger. He's the author of Clouded Titles, and we're going to discuss the foreclosure crisis. Dave is a former news reporter and investigative journalist who won national and state news awards from Associated Press broadcasters. In 1990, Dave began studying law and specializing in real estate, consumer credit, and collection issues. And his first published work was the Credit Restoration Primer. It was released in 1995 and is now entering its fifth edition. Dave currently serves as a paralegal and legal research analyst for a network of attorneys across America that handle real estate and foreclosure matters. He currently conducts audits of county land records and instructs attorneys on the subject of chain of title assessments and quiet title actions in continuing legal education courses around the country. His latest book, Clouded Titles, covers information about the aspects of foreclosure defense, strategic default, quiet title actions, and county land record functions. And so if you would please welcome my guest, Dave. How are you doing today, Dave? Well, as uh, good as can be expected. Great. Listen, you know how I learned about you uh, a couple weeks ago, I interviewed an investigative journalist named Suzanne Posel. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she had just uh, written an article on mortgage fraud, and mortgage fraud and foreclosures, and she highly recommended your book, Clouded Titles, during our interview. And so, of course, I got right on the Internet, looked you up, found out more about you, and contacted you. So that's even how I found you, because I think your message and the workshops that you give is extremely important, especially in today's foreclosure environment that we find ourselves in. So what I'd like to ask you, Dave, is just how did you get involved in the issue of foreclosures and what led you to write your book, Clouded Titles? Yeah, that's a, uh, that, that requires a somewhat long-winded answer, but I'm not going to try to bore your listening audience. <laughs> Um, Angeline, basically, it, this started out uh, back in 2000 when I bought a piece of property and refinanced it. And I bought it from Washington Mutual, which is now defunct. In the process of all of this, I had absolutely zero idea, as many people do today. As a matter of fact, millions upon millions of homeowners have absolutely no idea what MERS is. And so mortgage electronic registration systems, or MERS, we have some out there that think there's an A somewhere in the acronym. They call it MERS, but it's MERS. That's what MERS people call it, so I call it MERS. Uh, unfortunately, for this, uh, this beta-tested model, which is what I like to refer to as, uh, you know, we've had judges around the country and appellate courts rule that this business model is, is illegal. It uh, shouldn't be there, should have never been there. Uh, Virginia Delegate Bob Marshall, who I was uh, on a phone conference with one afternoon, He's out of Manassas, Virginia, one of the D.C. burbs, and he was talking about, uh, you know, what authority or right, legal right, that MERS had to come into existence. And I started looking at my own paperwork, and Angeline, basically, in, in some and substance, that's what started my investigative uh, journalistic skills back into motion after taking a hiatus from radio in 1999. Uh, I had been studying law for quite a while, but... Uh, I didn't start to dawn on me until I took out a 2005 mortgage and saw MERS on my on my deed of trust in Texas that I knew that there was something wrong. And so I started to investigate the mortgage mess. And at that point in time, uh, in 2000, I started compiling files. By 2005, uh, when I 
basically was, you know, looking for other property, I had amassed a four-drawer uh, standing file that, you know, the kind that you pull out and all the files are loaded from the side mm-hmm. where you have to stand on the side of the drawer when you open it up. I had four-drawer <laughs> file cabinet, steel file cabinet loaded with this information. And I thought, gee, what am I going to do with this? In <laughs> uh, 2008, I broke my foot, and that's when I decided I'm going to sit here and take the time while I'm recuperating. And I just looked at the file cabinet, and I said, you know, uh, I've got to do something with this information. At that point in time, I started to uh, pen an outline. Um, and, and then with the additional research I had amassed from 2006, when I sold my last adjustable rate mortgage loan, uh, one day prior to it resetting and almost tripling in uh, in monthly payment, uh, I went seriously from six hundred and thirty dollars to seven mm-hmm. over seventeen hundred a month. Wow! And uh, and I dumped it the day before it was to reset, and so that was the last time um, I had a formal mortgage uh, up until this last year. I was mortgage free after that, and and uh, held acreage and. Uh, property, you know, mortgage-free that uh, I knew could pass for clear title uh, when I sold it. So uh, in the interim, however, I purchased another home in 2002, and a year later I ended up walking away from the mortgage, which is why I wrote the section of the book, Strategic Default, because this is happening en masse across America. And Mm -hmm. so that's uh, basically how Clouded Titles came to be. We released the first edition of that, which was 254 pages on December um, of 2010. Okay. Now, let's back up a bit and go to basics, because maybe for people that are just tuning in that haven't heard much about MERS, I mean, I've heard about it because, like I said, I interviewed Suzanne, and she kind of went through it. But I'd like to go back and just let's give a real basic, simple answer. Let's talk about how mortgages used to be handled versus how they're handled today after MERS came on the scene. Could you give us a little of that background history? Sure. The instance where you wanted to go to a bank, and it was your local bank, you lived down the street, you knew everybody, everybody knew you, they knew you had a job, everything was fine, and you were making a halfway decent income, and you were tired of renting, and you wanted to buy a house for your family. Having saved up a down payment, which most people generally did at the time when things used to be normal, they would go to the bank, and they would sit down, and they'd say, we'd like to buy a house for $100,000. And the bank would say, gee, um, you know, we'd like to loan you the money, but first we have to pull your credit and see how your credit scores are, and then we have to see whether or not you've got a down payment. And, oh, I see you have a bank account with our bank. Well, that's very nice. And let's see. It looks like you've been saving your money. We've seen regular deposits in here systematically out of both of your paychecks. Uh, you got two income earners, and it looks like you've got 20000 to put down. So we'll go ahead and loan you the other 80000 First, the bank went out because they are not really in the real estate business per se, so they hire an, an appraiser to represent the bank to go out, and the appraiser, who had the bank's best interest at heart, would say, you know, the property is uh, property is going to probably uh, appraise at maybe 105 at best. And so this is probably a good thing. They'll have a little bit of equity in the property, and it's probably a safe bet after doing the comps in the neighborhood that uh, majority of them have sold uh, for around that value for that square footage. So I okay. think it's a pretty safe bet. Dave, hold that thought. We're going to come back to the appraisal question. Listeners, my guest today, Dave Krieger, author of Clouded Titles. We're discussing the foreclosure crisis. We'll be back momentarily on the True Seekers radio show. Thousands of years, 
people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Today, my guest is Dave Krieger, author of Clouded Titles, and we're discussing the foreclosure crisis. So, Dave, you were talking about the banks going in and getting an appraisal before we went to the break. Yes, I was. And this is something that, you know, they used to do because we were talking about the used to could situations where Mm -hmm. people actually had a down payment. They went to the bank and everybody knew everybody and it was easy to get a loan and there was an element of trust involved. Uh, The bank was not out to own your home. They'd rather not own your home. Uh, Banks are in uh, business to make interest off of loans that they make. Uh, and I'm just trying to keep it simple here and keep all of the uh, ancillary arguments about fiat money and everything out of the equation because it doesn't have any place in the courtroom and it certainly won't have any place in this conversation. Okay. So, uh, and we're going to talk about some cases afterwards that affect uh, the Inland Empire area, which is really right. important. Uh-huh. So you want to get your ears on here. Okay. Um, I, in fact, um, I, I just uh, to digress a little bit, I just held a chain of title assessment workshop in Ontario, California, which was attended by. Uh, attorneys from uh, as far away as Chicago and then locally as far away as Bakersfield. Um, You know, we had a lot of homeowners there and a lot of paralegals and people who were interested in learning how to do what I do, and that is assess chain of title. Uh, So back to the issue with with the loan being made, uh, everybody basically knew, um, you know, what your uh, payment uh, was going to go to. They knew what bank was going to get paid every month. That's just the way it was. Then, uh, you know, and, and I have to back up even a little further, back to uh, the 1930s, post-Depression. Congress said, you know, we can't allow uh, what just happened here to happen again. So what we're going to do is we're going to pass this little piece of legislation called the Glass-Steagall Act, and we're going to prohibit the banks from entering securities and playing in securities. Mm-hmm. And so now we fast-forward from our normal situation when the chains of title were fairly clear and there was relatively uh, few disputes uh, or fewer disputes than we have now. Fast forward to today, in 1999, the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act was put in motion. It passed the legislature, was signed into law, and one of the provisions inside of Graham-Leach-Bliley among other things, was to repeal Glass-Steagall. Ironically, and not coincidental in my opinion, at the time that, uh, you know, prior to 1995, the Mortgage Bankers Association and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were trying to devise a way that they could get back into the securities market because they said, you know, there's some money to be made here. And... What do you say we turn on our lobbying power and get Congress, get, get one, of, you know, one of our legislators in Congress and, and pay him off, that's what I think happened, to go in there and get this bill passed to repeal Glass-Steagall. And by the time Glass-Steagall passes, we're going to have this whole thing set up and ready to go into play. And so the first version of Mortgage Electronic Registration Systems, or MERS, was set up. And what this was designed to do was to streamline the tracking of mortgages electronically as they were bought and sold in the securities uh, securitiesville I like to call it mm-hmm. 
and um, and so this you know started version number one. That lasted until early 1998, when they sat down, I think, and took a look at this thing and said, "Well, I, this version doesn't seem to be working as well. Let's improve on it." They tried to do a second version. It only lasted a few months. And in 1998, they started, you know, going back to the drawing board with the help of Moody's and Standard and Poor's and Fitch's. And uh, Moody's wrote a paper about it and uh, how to, you know, how MERS is involved in this thing and why it's so important that we have MERS. At the same time, they got the American Land Title Association to write a position paper, uh, which actually brings all their membership into the equation because you wonder why the title companies can write around all these defects in title that we've got now, and I'll explain why those are there. The circumstances were such that, you know, long about January 1, 1999, MERS version number two, which they found not working well, you know, basically uh, morphed into version number three, which was a bankruptcy remote entity that had no assets, no liabilities, no income, no expenses, and no employees. It was nothing more than a shell. Mm -hmm. It was a business model. It was the name of the business model. And the reason I bring that up is because there's been a lot of new information come out uh, that your listeners need to know about if they're going to fight this monster, because that's what it is. Uh, MERS in of itself has no money at all. If you want to sue MERS, guess what you're going to get out of MERS? Nothing. Well, one of the, one of the changes that was made that went into effect January 1st, 1999, was that MERS had a parent. And the parent's name was MERS Corp. Inc. MERS Corp. Inc., has about 70 employees today, and they're now known as MERS Corp Holdings, Inc., as of February 22, 2012, when one merged into the other. And they basically did this, I think, to, to try to further obfuscate the construction of these companies because MERS Corp, for all intents and purposes, is the parent. MERS is the child. All these cases that in California, like Cervantes and Gomez and Cases like that that have literally just gotten obliterated have given MERS a lot of latitude in the state when MERS, in fact, misled the courts into believing that MERS had all this almighty authority. When MERS had no authority, all the authority was vested by contract in MERS Corp. But if you look at your deed of trust in California now, you'll see MERS on there, but there's no mention of MERS Corp. This is a problem because MERS Corp has all the money. MERS mm -hmm. Corp is a stock-for-profit company that basically um, makes about $2.5 billion a year, and they have all the cash. And MERS Corp owns nothing in the way of loans. They don't loan money. They don't get monthly payments. They don't do anything. In fact, the members don't have to follow MERS Corp rules. All these banks and servicers and foreclosure mills that join the MERS business model actually sign a contract with MERS Corp. There's a difference. And so what happened is MERS attorneys would go into court and tell the judge, well, they signed a contract, MERS on the contract, so MERS is a nominee and beneficiary. Well, in Washington State and Oregon, they've just ruled that MERS is not a valid beneficiary, and that's kind of changed the landscape now because it's forcing a lot of foreclosure mills and banks to actually bring more judicial foreclosures in both of those states to where the borrowers now are actually being served with process and they have to show up and have their day in court rather than being served by publication. Mm -hmm. So that can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing because it forces the homeowner, instead of having, you know, X number of days to, you know, count down when to do things, they're now limited to 20 to 30 days to respond to pleadings in court. And this, of course, has prompted, uh, you know, certain issues, especially with the passage in California of SB 900, which is the Homeowner Bill of Rights, you know, the protection bill. And uh, there's a lot of little quirks in there that a lot of the attorneys in California are starting to become familiar with in the defense of homeowners. Uh, you know, I still don't like loan modifications, and the state bar, unfortunately, is cracking down on some of the attorneys I'm aware of who are fighting foreclosures, trying to shut them down and suspend them so they can't practice law and defend homeowners in foreclosure. So I can't say that the state bar is uh, lining up in parallel with the uh, the needs of the general public. I think they're you know continuing to show themselves as part of the good old boy network that basically co-toes to the banks. Mm -hmm. Well, you were when when this securitization took place, 
it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, so they were putting the info into the MERS system, but then I thought I've heard you say in other interviews that that didn't necessarily match the county land records, and that's where a lot of this confusion comes into play. Is that right? Oh, you're so right. Um, the, the circumstances with MERS, and this is what the counties are so upset about, is that MERS members, okay, who are actually contractually aligned with MERS Corp. The MERS Corp members use the MERS hack and they basically record the first mortgage or deed of trust in the land records in California, which is a deed of trust state, it's a non-judicial state, and they foreclose by publication and sale. And so, you know, first they have to call the homeowner into default and then they bring, uh, you know, put the ads in the paper and set the sale date up for auction and they give the homeowner so much time to cure the default if the homeowner doesn't cure the default, then we have an auction and the house is sold on the uh, courthouse steps. So, you know, what happens, however, is in the interim, once the MERS uh, mortgage, MERS originated mortgage or deed of trust, or we call that a mom loan for MERS originated mortgage loan, uh, once that loan enters the system in the land records, nothing ever gets recorded until two things occur. One of two things occur. One, is that the uh, sum of the mortgage loan is paid in full. Two is there's a default and there's a foreclosure that takes place. Those are the only two ways that these things get released. Well, what we're finding out is that these mortgage loans were electronically recorded, and we believe that the notes and the ancillary paperwork w were shredded following their creation of an electronic metadata file and what we you know these consumers out here that got suckered into these predatory loans back in the 2000s and 2003 to 2008 is when they did the most damage with this stuff mm -hmm. you got countrywide and and uh, wamu and all these other banks out there in california that you know basically just you know took hold and trashed the landscape uh, you know they were saying that uh, countrywide loan officers were quoted as saying, look, if you can fog up a mirror, we can get you a mortgage loan. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that, um, you know, the, the loans weren't as cracked up as they were supposed to be. They were all adjustable rate mortgages. There was a, uh, some were interest rate only mortgages. Uh, some were interest for 10 years, and then it would convert to a, uh, a fixed rate and, or an adjustable rate after interest only for 10 years. And literally, if somebody's having a hard time paying an interest-only loan where there's no equity established, how the heck are they going to have, uh, be able to pay uh, a mortgage loan that's going to jack itself up higher once the actual principal and interest kicks in? That, right. That's going to be really tough. And they knew this going into the thing. Right. Uh, you know, we're, we're starting to see enough evidence of that fact, Angeline. So, you know, when we're looking at the situation, uh, you know, we're looking at the fact that, you know, we would have an entire chain of title start in the land records, in the Inland Empire and all the other counties in the state of California, and once the original deed of trust was recorded, the mortgage loan and all the ancillary paperwork would jump into the MERS database, managed and owned by MERS Corp. Inc., now MERS Corp. Holdings, Inc., and it would stay there, obfuscated to the world. Homeowners would have no idea who owned their loan, and now we're finding out and I have to squeeze this in before we get to the next break, now we're finding out that the notes never even made the trust pool. And we've got the investors who actually loaned that money to the borrowers. It wasn't the banks. It was the investor pools that loaned the money to the borrowers were getting ripped off left and right as these tranches that the loans were put in and the securitized pools were collapsing one after another because of the massive defaults on these mortgage loans, which I believe were structured to fail, at the same time the banks were all betting against the performance of the loan, hoping they would fail, and in so doing, racked up almost $53 trillion in profits from their insurance bets and credit default swaps. Okay, Dave, we got to take our second break. Listeners, today my guest, Dave Krieger, author of Clouded Titles. We're discussing the foreclosure crisis. We'll be back momentarily on the True Seekers radio show.
There are three letters in the alphabet that strike terror in most of us. These are the three letters you need to avoid at all costs. I-R-S. If the IRS is coming after you for $15,000 or more in back taxes, you don't want to fight them alone. You need the help of the tax resolution experts at U.S. Tax Relief. They've helped thousands of people like you eliminate up to 85% of their delinquent taxes. If you qualify, U.S. Tax Relief can settle your tax debts for less than you owe, remove penalties and interest, and protect you from bank levies and garnishments. If you owe the IRS at least $15,000 in back taxes, call U.S. Tax Relief now for a free consultation and see how much money they can save you. Call 800-989-1694-800-989-1694-800-989-1694-800-989-1694. For thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the acai berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Dave Krieger, author of Clouded Titles, and we're discussing the foreclosure crisis. And Dave, before we move on, could you give us your web address and how the listeners can find your book and maybe whether or not or when you're going to hold some uh, more workshops on the subject? Well, actually, for the California uh, listeners, Angeline can benefit from knowing uh, the website, because they can constantly monitor that to see when the next CODA workshop is coming to their area. Uh, we are right now, as a matter of fact, trying to set one up for Northern California around San Jose, San Francisco area. Okay. And uh, that will be sometime in November. That's what we're, we're hoping. Uh, hmm. The circumstances are such, if you need to get updated information, you can go to cloudedtitlesplural.com, cloudedtitles.com. The reason it's plural is because we've got over 70 million titles to property in America that are affected by MERS and what's happened in securitization. Unfortunately, what MERS and the banks really didn't take into consideration is what their intended uh, consequence was, even if it was to make predatory loans and hopefully they could you know, do what appears to be the biggest land grab in America by the banks. Uh, the bigger problem is, is that the chain of title to over 70 million properties is now suspect for being corrupted. And once it's corrupted, you can't sell it. So, Dave, let's say someone comes to you and they say, look, I'm ready to buy a home. Can you walk us through what you would, would advise someone based on your experience? Well, I can tell you what I did. Um, you know, buying a house is a privilege, not a right. I don't care what Bill Clinton said in the 1990s when he was president and touting you know, the fact that everybody deserves a home. Um, it, it's a privilege to have it based on your willingness to work and willingness to make the payments. Uh, we had so many programs set up at the time that would basically give people their down payment. They'd throw them in. If you were a low-income earner, they would actually find a way to get you your down payment so you virtually had zero equity into the property, mm-hmm. and so you were not really incentivized to go out and, and buy property. Well, in this day and age now that the banks have choked up and tightened up credit and interest rates are starting to go up, 
uh, one of the things that I, I first off uh, tell borrowers about what I did was I, I found a bank who was a MERS member, and I made them put it in writing that they were not going to make this a MERS loan, that they were going to hold the paper, and they were going to accept my payments, and they were going to service my loan, and I was going to have the number, uh, which I do. I have my cell number of my banker. Now, did, so, they, do the, did they do this? I mean, oh, yes, they, they sure did. They, they sure did. In my, my house in Florida that I bought, uh, I have a bank in Boston that actually signed uh, documents and sent them to me to sign that said, we will not sell your loan, we will not securitize your loan, we will not put it in the MERS system, we will service your loan, we, you know, the payments go to us, and we will hold it on a 15-year note. That's exactly what we did uh, with 20% down. Wow. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, did, I bought a, a, basically I took over a construction loan uh, that was failing. The, the builders, uh, you know, built the house in 06. It had never been lived in. And so, you know, I walked away with it for, you know, over half of what they had it listed for in 2006. And so the, uh, the basics are here is you've got to find a lender like a credit union. Uh, the worst thing that, that I see that a borrower could do, and this is my opinion, it's not legal advice, can't give that on these kinds of programs Mm -hmm. the worst thing a borrower can do is go to one of these mega banks that's out there that's advertising on television you know you're and you know who they are you know the big six right Uh, you you just can't you can't do business with those people or anybody connected with them uh you you need to find out whether or not these banks are mers members uh you can go to mersinc.org m-e-r-s-i-n-c.org and you can look up the member list uh, you know, if you have questions, they've got a number you can call or you can ask the bank, are you a MERS member or do you have a contract with MERS Corp? Because if they do and they intend on securitizing your loan, you sure want to know because once it goes into securitization, there is a possibility that's being entertained by courts across the country now, especially in a recent case in South Carolina, that once it went into securitization, the mortgage was split from the note and the note is dead. It's a nullity. We have an 1872 court case called Carpenter versus Longin, 1873 actually. It's a court case out of Colorado that basically says that when you split the mortgage from the note, the note is a nullity. It means it's dead, zero. In 2009, Kansas Supreme Court and Landmark National Bank versus Kessler uh, basically ruled that at best when this happens, your note is unsecured. A lot of attorneys in California now that know stuff about this are actually litigating, and we're getting quiet title actions in California. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I just got a, uh, a document uh, faxed to me uh, by an attorney, and it's a document expunging the deed of trust, the original deed of trust that was the, the problem child in the land records with MERS on it. We actually got it expunged from the land records in Los Angeles County. And the judge directed the county recorder to completely take the document out of the land records, which is the only way that you can get rid of a document is by court order. Mm-hmm. And so this was as a result of a quiet title action. And so, you know, the servicer is still asking the borrower for payments. In the meantime, they're not answering the suit. So, you know, that's a big problem. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, when, when you're out there trying to find property, the other worst thing you can do is spend more than you're capable of paying back. Right. And a lot of borrowers were talked into back between 2003 and 2008, especially closer to 06 when the peak of this thing happened. And there was a rush to get any kind of loan out there they could get. And people who had no business getting real estate loans got them. And you know who you are out there. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, the, somebody should have made sense and explained to you that you didn't make enough money to pay that half-million-dollar mortgage loan. But they didn't care. Mm-hmm. They just they were going to sell these loans into securitization, and the investors were going to get screwed. It didn't matter what the borrowers did, but you see the banks – are supposed to, according to Adam Levitin, who just testified before Congress. He's a Georgetown law professor. And he was explaining to Congress that, look, because of what happened with these investors on Wall Street, once bitten, twice shy, they're not coming back. You'll be lucky if you get 1% of the, of the mortgage loan business going into securitization these days because everybody knows what happened between 03 and 08 and what, what led to the crash, what led to the collapse of Lehman Brothers that virtually you know, carried out a domino effect on Wall Street. And what we're finding out from the suits that the investors are, are doing to these mortgage loan pools and the people who sponsored them and originated them, the investors are claiming after investigation that these pools have a 100% failure rate. In other words, the banks knew 
especially with the Phoenix Light suit in paragraph 1033, where it admitted the banks knew that all of these notes were going south. They knew the borrowers weren't going to be able to pay, and that's why we have a 100% loan failure rate. And what it did was it transferred the credit risk of the borrower from the bank to the investor. And the investor is only supposed to assume interest rate risk uh -huh. based on the adjustable rate mortgages and what it pays the investors as it's paying them back as the borrowers make their payments. I mean, this has to make sense to somebody out there, Angeline. But this is exactly what happens. And so, you know, you have to find, if you're going to buy a home, you have to find a lender that is not willing to, uh, you know, take this thing into securitization, but is willing to hold the paper. And there are banks out there that if you're buying a new loan or buying a new home and you're not refining, like Fort Sill National Bank, FSNB.com, it's right. a small bank with few branches, and with 20% down, they'll make you a 4% interest rate loan for 15 years. That's the last that I talk to them. And see, I hate 30-year mortgages. I know a lot of investors like them because they can buy and flip and pay cheap while they're holding. But unfortunately, a lot of people found out when they borrowed the money in 2005 and 2006 that they weren't able to refinance and they got stuck with these 30-year predatory mortgages that reset and caused them to go into default. So we have a huge case in California now that just came out last month, in, in actually in August. But it's taken about a month or so for this case to circulate, and that is Thomas Glaskey, G-L-A-S-K-I, versus Bank of America. And it was a fifth appellate district in uh, Court of Appeal, State of California, opinion. And what this opinion basically said was that before Washington Mutual Bank was seized by the FDIC in 2008, it made a lot of residential real estate loans, and it used the loans as collateral for these mortgage-backed securities. Many loans went into default, which led to non-judicial foreclosure proceedings. Some of the foreclosures generated lawsuits, which raised a variety of claims. The allegations in this particular case, uh, you know, shares with some of the other lawsuits, the documents uh, related to the foreclosure, uh, you know, had forged signatures of a robo-signer named Deborah Brignac, or Brignac, and the foreclosing entity was not the true owner of the loan because the chain of ownership had been broken by a defective transfer of the loan to the securitized trust pool, as we were saying before, for these RMBSs, these residential mortgage-backed securities. And this, the specific defect that's alleged in the Glaskey case is that the attempted transfers were made after the closing date of the trust that was holding these pooled mortgages, and therefore the transfers were ineffective. They're void. They mm -hmm. violate New York estates and trust law at Section 7-2.4, for those of you who have a pen out there that are taking note of all this, this is the Glaskey versus Bank of America case that has now sent shockwaves through the system in California. Dave, so would it necessarily be true to say that if you're going to purchase a home, if you get a new home or a home that, say, has not been, um, has been, was owned by the, the person selling, before they bought it, say 1983, and they've been they've been the sole owner thus far before this MERS came into effect. Are you safer buying a property like that or a new property versus something that's been in the MERS system, or is that not necessarily true? Well, I tell you what, I searched over 200 houses in Florida before I found this one, and 200 houses had MERS on the mortgage, and I walked away from every single one of them. Okay. Didn't want anything to do with them. Uh, some had five MERS loans on them. Can you imagine wow. all of the, the potential inter, unknown intervening assignees hiding out there in Securitiesville that someday might come back and foreclose on my house? We, we have people all over uh, the United States that are being foreclosed on, and, and the banks that are doing it, uh, left hand doesn't know what right hand is doing. We have people that don't even owe these banks the mortgage loans, uh, and banks are breaking into their homes, changing the locks, cleaning out their possessions, uh, you know, throwing them away or taking them to dump or stealing them, pilfering them, uh, you know, and a lot of these, um, you know, companies that are, are contracted with by the major mega six, you know, I don't trust these banks. Mm -hmm. You know, I moved my money and my mother's money because I'm managing her estate now. I moved it all out of the major banks. Every, every account she had in a major bank, I liquidated. I closed it out, got rid of it. Um, you know, I reinvested, you know, where she had money and derivatives because derivatives are what got us into trouble, 
you know, when the Glass-Steagall Act was repealed. And so I, I wanted none of this. Uh, you know, when we decide as Americans to take a stand and say no more, no MERS loan, I'm not borrowing any money from you unless you can guarantee it's not going to the MERS system and you're not going to sell it and securitize it because the original lender may say, oh, yeah, we won't sell it and put it in the MERS system. Well, they may not do it, but they'll sell it to another member who will, and that's when a non-mom loan becomes a mom loan, and then you have a whole new set, different set of, of circumstances because there was no guarantee in the original mortgage loan that you took out that MERS was ever going to be a part of it. And so basically you, you know, the lender at that time you know, could have misrepresented to you that um, you know what their true intentions were. So that's why you have to be very careful these days, making sure, one, you don't get a 30-year mortgage loan. And I'll tell you the difference between the two very quickly. In a 15-year mortgage note, you basically pay more principal and interest in month 42. That's not even four years into the note. You're paying more principal and interest. You have more equity. In a 30-year mortgage loan, you're not paying more principal than interest until month 220 of a 360-month mortgage. All right, Dave, i got to take that last break. Listeners, my guest today, Dave Krieger, author of Clouded Titles. We're we're, uh, discussing the foreclosure crisis. We'll be back momentarily on the Truth Seekers radio show. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have 5000 10000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-948-6817. 800-948-6817. Millions take comfort in God's Word on a daily basis. But what about the ones who cannot hear these precious words of truth? Where would I find hope? Imagine God's Word in the tongue of those who thirst for the same hope you enjoy on a daily basis. You can help them experience the same blessings you take for granted. This book is like a GPS system. I turn to it to chart my course as I begin each new day. Help someone hear God's Word for the first time by becoming a Wycliffe Associates volunteer and take part in the goal of Vision 2025, helping start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Find out more by calling 800-THE-WORD. Who will show me the way? Make a difference and help share the hope of God's living Word. Call 1-800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org and find out how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers radio show. Today, my guest is Dave Krieger, author of Clouded Titles, and we're discussing a foreclosure crisis. And Dave, this is going to go quick, this last segment. So I'd like you to get the web address in. And also, if you could talk a little bit about what would someone get out of your CODA workshops if they attended? Well, the website is cloudedtitles.com, and you can email. uh, We have a contact link through the website that you can actually go into and, and uh, fill out the form and send me an email. Uh, when you, if you send me emails regarding purchases or issues with foreclosure or and see we're not an attorney referral service, but we work with a whole network of attorneys in California where you know people can you know go uh, to, to find out information. And so you know we hand these names out. There's no fees attached. Uh, you know nobody's holding a gun to your head to go get an attorney, but 
you know, I sure don't like people going pro se into the courts because they're getting beat up. So, you know, you can always email your questions, and if you do, make sure that you include uh, all your contact information, where you live, what county you're in, uh, you know, because a lot of people say, uh, yes, I'm having problems with my uh, house. I think I'm going into foreclosure. Uh, please help. And that's not good enough. I need, <laughs> I need your contact info, otherwise we can't help. Okay. So uh, if you're going to email me through the website, you know, make it worth your time and mine uh, so that we're not repeating the process and, and wasting time because time is precious here. Uh, cloudedtitles.com is the website. Now, as for the Coda Workshops, we just held one in Chicago. Three attorneys attended. Uh, two were from Seattle. One was from Chicago. And um, we had a Chicago attorney named Taj Johnson uh, speak there. And uh, Taj basically said his mission is to make the banks bleed. And, you know, I mean, that, that obviously brought a uh, rousing round of applause from the group. Uh, it was probably one of the most well-attended CODA workshops we've had uh, since I started doing these two years ago. A chain of title assessment workshop, Angeline, basically I teach people to do what I'm doing to make a living. Um, you know, we're making money, and I'm getting just inundated with business. Uh, we have what we call intermediaries out there that have set up LLCs like I have, and we are out there, you know, basically, you know, I don't even have to solicit for business. People find me, and they come to me, and they say, look, I want you to assess my chain of title, and we write a report, and we basically show, uh, you know, how the agency relationships either are working or not working, uh, where there are issues with the assignments, where there's potential robo-signing, suspect surrogate signing, meaning somebody else has signed a document claiming to be somebody they're not, uh, you know, notary fraud, forgery, uh, all sorts of different things. And we drill down into the documents. This is not an abstract of title where you go to a title company and pay them for what we call an ownership and encumbrance report. You just get a list of all the lien holders. Mm -hmm. We actually take the documents and do what you didn't do at closing, and that's read the bloody things. Right. So we teach people how to do that in these classes and how to drill down and do the research. It's a very valuable tool, and literally, I mean, you could make a very good living sitting at home at your computer, uh, you know, on the Internet, doing nothing but, you know, research and writing reports. It is a great sideline income for realtors who aren't selling homes that are wondering what they're going to do with their license. Uh, you know, they're going broke. Uh, they're running out of money. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are affected by this, and you don't have to be a paralegal to be a coder preparer. We have a lot of them out there now that have been trained that are working with attorneys right now, and the attorneys, frankly, like what they see. And so, um, you know, in fact, I talked to an attorney in uh, New Mexico the other day who has one of my Phoenix uh, trainees working with him uh, from the Phoenix Coda Workshop, and he says, I love this guy's work. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, I just, you know, I asked him where he learned it, and he said he went to your workshop. Uh, we had a guy in Chicago take the class, uh, and he went into court because his attorney wasn't getting it, and he shut down his case, and he hasn't been back to court in a year since he went in on his own and used the tools that, um, you know, of course, I didn't. I had no idea about this, and I don't advocate it, but this homeowner went into court in Chicago and shut down the entire foreclosure. Wow. So, you know, everybody has a, a different reason why uh, they need this sort of information. You know, we have a lot of homeowners attending uh, because they want to try to, you know, make semblance, you know, make sense of everything that happened to them. Um, you know, we, we really don't have time to analyze everybody's case, uh, but, you know, what we're trying to do is dispense information so that you can do the research and it will help you further your, your ambition. Uh, we have paralegals taking it because they want to help attorneys and make extra money. Uh, we have uh, realtors and brokers that want to take the class because they want an alternate means of income because they're not selling houses. The market's so depressed mm -hmm. and it's getting worse. I mean, the in Inland Empire area is not only are the land records all trashed out, uh, you know, we've got issues with, uh, you know, cities in California trying to do eminent domain to save some of the properties to keep these neighborhoods from being blighted. And so, you know, a lot of people, we have attorneys taking a class, too, because they just want to get up to snuff. Most of the attorneys have told me that, you know, they don't learn this kind of stuff in law school because it's all new. Uh, you know, who would have known that MERS Corp was the one that's actually got the contracts with all the member lenders? We were all told that MERS had it. So, you know, we go through and there's like 12 different modules that we teach over a three-day class, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, if, you, if you just, you know, stay glued to cloudedtitles.com and look for the postings, you know, we'll tell you when the next class is. Okay. And, Dave, what would you say to somebody that wants to restructure or modify a current loan? Do you suggest that? I mean, 
would you recommend <clears throat> that or what, what would you I don't say? like loan mods personally. Okay. I, I know there are some people out there touting the fact that, you know, they think they can get them done. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, how can you make, I'm going to ask you a question, Angeline. How can you go out and do a loan mod with someone that you don't know actually owns your loan? Right. That's, that, that's been the problem. Right. And now with, with everything that's happened with the Bank of America lawsuits in Massachusetts, all these whistleblowers have come out with sworn declarations saying we were told by Bank of America to lie. We were told to string homeowners along, uh, you know, if we could get them into foreclosure, the more we could get into foreclosure, uh, we'd be in a drawing for a Target or a Bed Bath & Beyond gift card. You know, and, you know and, when you've got those kinds of incentives out there, Angelina, I mean, you know, there's no incentive for these banks to make mortgage loans. They want your house. And then, you know, kind of moving into something related, I heard you say that now we're talking about securitizing rental contracts. I mean, it's like, <laughs> hello, didn't we learn from the first debacle? Can you oh, talk well, no, about I mean, that this real is, quick? This, yeah, this is Carrington and uh, BlackRock are now buying up all these REOs to hold. They don't care about condition of title. They're going to turn around and rent these things and, and possibly do rent with option to buy, knowing the titles are not clear, knowing that as soon as the borrower defaults, uh, they're going to take the house right back. Uh, literally, I mean, that's the way these things are going to be structured, I would anticipate. And, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, they're going to take all these contracts and they're going to go in because, I mean, you could literally securitize and, and do a credit default swap on the, on the weather if you want. Mm -hmm. You can literally do a CDS on the weather and say, well, it's tell you what, it's going to be sunny tomorrow, and you bet that it's going to be sunny tomorrow, and, and then secretly what you know, it's going to rain. So you know that if you take a loss, the way that the CDS is structured, it's going to rain, and you're going to get paid. And so what they'll do is they'll come in, and they will literally bet against the renters because, you know, renters, they miss the rent payments. Things happen, right. and renters are more likely to default than homeowners that have equity vested in their property. And so, yes, this is what's going to start happening now as these major investment pools start buying up all this real property that's been foreclosed on. Uh, we, we literally, when House Bill 87 in Florida was being passed, Angeline, they had title company executives going to the Florida legislature saying, if you buy a foreclosed home right now, an REO, real estate-owned property, you're crazy. We cannot guarantee clear title. We cannot, we cannot insure your property. They're uninsurable. Well, Dave, do you have any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with the listeners? Angeline, I guess I, I should say that, you know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And if you don't fight the fight, then, you know, you have to make a decision. You know, advise people, get the education you need in order to survive. And so, you know, and stay in touch with the cloudedtitles.com for more information. Listeners, my guest has been Dave Krieger, author of Clouded Titles. Until next week on the Truth Seekers radio show, God bless.